We read this week a double perashah, but let's focus for a minute on the second perashah, and also on Lagba Omer. The beginning of this perashah we mentioned on uh, Tuesday. We said, The problem is a repetition. If you follow my statutes, then my mitzvot you do. So the rabbis all ask, why is there a repeating of the same, basically the same term in different words? <coughs> so Rashi, who normally quotes everything based on the simple explanation of the, of the words, here he goes on a limb and he quotes a sifra, and he says, What does it mean? It doesn't mean if you go and follow my statutes. It means if you study Torah diligently. If you toil in Torah. The source of this is the Sifra. And the Orach Hayim also quotes from the Sifra. And he says basically the same thing. That it's a duplicate word. It's a duplicate words in the Torah. <coughs> and when we see this duplicate words, Hashem wants us to toil in Torah. That's the thing that Hashem wants. He wants us to work hard in the Torah. When it says, uh, it says, it's lacking the vav, which should be in that word. And again, they ask, what's the reason for lacking the vav? And it says, because there's two types of Torah. There's Torah Shebiktav and Torah Shebaalpeh. And you have to bring the two of them as one, as if they're all one. So I told a story on uh, Tuesday morning. I said that, you know, when, when Rashi is translating this and explaining it, he's explaining that you could never go by the simple translation. And you have to be very careful. So I said that there was a teacher teaching a class in school. And she had a bunch of little kids, six-year-olds, and they had their Hebrew-English uh, in front of them. And so she asked the kids, what, are, what does Shema Israel mean? And they all tell her, Shema Israel means here, O Israel. And then she says, great, what does Baruch Atah Hashem mean? And they all answer, blessed are you, Hashem. And then she asked the kids, and what does Amen mean? And one of the kids raises his hand, he says, C-O-N-G, period. So in the book, the whole congregation is supposed to answer Amen. So the rabbis say you have to be very careful because if you try to learn the Torah only on the simplest level, only in the Peshat of the words, you can't understand it. And we said, someone who says, I studied the Bible, what does that mean? It's impossible to say, I read the Bible and to even have an inkling of what the Torah means. So here you have, Im and it reminded me of the idea of Adam HaRishon. Because when Hashem creates Adam, He tells Adam, you have a job. The job is to work the garden and to watch the garden. And the rabbis explain, what does it mean? Does it mean work the garden with the shovel? Watch the garden with, who's he watching it from? There's nobody around. Says that means he has, to, he has to study the Torah and do the mitzvot. So it's very similar, in the same way Rashi is translating this, to the idea behind Adam HaRishon. <coughs> it says towards the end of the beginning part of this, this parasha, it says, V'natati mishkani betochachem, I will establish my abode within you, if we translate. Rashi means, this is the mikdash in Yerushalayim. nafshi etchem. And my soul, Hashem is saying, my soul, whatever that means, will not be disgusted with you. Now all the Mepharshim answer questions, says, what do you mean? And Ramban goes on for, for, for pages and pages. He says, what do you mean? 
if you just said, you're going to follow my commandments, you're going to do what I want, and I'm going to give you peace in the land, and I'm going to make you wealthy, and I'm going to make you happy, and I'm going to give you everything, and I'm going to establish my mikdash among you, of course Hashem's not going to be disgusted with us. Why does it have to add the verse and say, I will not be disgusted with you. And the Mevashim have a very, very hard time understanding the purpose of this part of the, of the verse. <clears throat> We're going to explain basically on the Ramban, but the Orach Hayim brings it very nice. He says, it was not enough to say that Hashem will make His home inside people's souls. He says that really He has to go beyond that, that people have to really relate to Hashem on a much deeper level, like a groom and a bride. And if you don't get so close to Hashem, then it's not good. So what's required of us is not just to do the mitzvah, not just to the study of the Torah, but we have to bring ourselves to a point where we're connected to God. He says, how does one do that? Ramban questions and says, after all these blessings, he, he's, and Hashem says, you're going to have the mikdash, and when we said the mikdash, shachanti betocham, I'm going to dwell among you. He says, how is it possible that he says, I'm not going to get disgusted? Again, he's asking this question, and he contrasts it with a number of times in this parasha where Hashem says, I am going to get disgusted with you because you've done terrible things. But why bringing it up in this stage here? He says, we always read this parasha, the Chukotai, in the week before Shavuot. There's always a week before Shavuot where we read this parasha. We, we always have to have a break between the Chukotai and Shavuot, and that's why we read Bamidbar next week. In Israel, there's still one ahead of us, but we always have to read this before Shavuot because it's filled with curses. Just like we read the parasha Mitzavim before Rosh Hashanah, we say Tafel Shana Bekiveloteha. The year and its curses should end. The same way we say the year and its curses should end. Dave, you want to sit here if you want? Whatever's better for you. Okay. <clears throat> so it says, just like we say, Tafel Shanat, the year should end, the year should end with its curses. Just like that, we say before Shavuot, we have to finish the curses, which come in this week's parasha. This week's parasha is filled with many, many curses after the blessing. So we always read it to end the year in the curses. Ezra, when he divided the parashiyot, he divided it to allow us to read this and then have a break before Shavuot. Now last Thursday was Lag Ba'omer. Now we, we basically, the rabbi gave a class, but we had prepared a number of things on Lag Ba'omer. The, the purpose behind Lag Ba'omer is really, really not clear. Lag Ba'omer, we really don't understand what it's about. We have no reference to Lag Ba'omer in the Torah. We have no reference to Lag Ba'omer in the Gemara. We have no reference to Lag Ba'omer in the Geonim. We don't have a reference to Lag Ba'omer in the early Rishonim. The first time we hear about Lag Ba'omer is approximately the year 1300 by the Me'iri. And the Me'iri in 1300 says Lag Ba'omer is a holiday because the students of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying. The problem with that statement, and so many of the rabbis after him come and go after him and say, what do you mean? We have a holiday because the rabbis, of Rab the students of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying? The students of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying because they were all dead. 
So what do you mean that they stopped dying? They stopped dying because they were dead. So that should be a day of mourning, not a day of, of a holiday. When did the final What? Rambam has not a word on, on Lagba Omer. Nothing in Lagba Omer from the Rambam is zero. Because nothing, Rambam is, uh, is, is 300 years before. The first time we have a... No, it's funny, I should know uh, but the, fir- the first time we hear any word of Lagba Omer is in, in 1300. Nothing before. That's 300 years after Rambam. After Rambam. Right. So now the, the next time we hear about and that, so that, that explanation on Lagba Omer is, is not accepted by many of the rabbis, even though when I went to school, that's what we learned. The reason Lagba Omer is a holiday because the day Rabbi Akiva's students stopped dying. Well, they stopped dying because they're all dead. 300 years later, the uh, Rav Chaim Vital writes, and there's a question of how to interpret it. He writes that Lagba Omer is the day of the Hilula of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. What does that mean? They always interpreted it as the day he died. I asked because it was so bothering me, this whole thing, this Lagba Omer makes absolutely no sense. I asked Rav Yaakov Hillel, he says no. It means it's the day of his connection with Hashem. It's the day he got smicha. <laughs> because the Chida writes later on, what's so special about Lagba Omer? It's the day Rabbi Akiva, after he loses 24,000 students, and the Gemara says the Torah is finished, he gets five more students, and those five students re- resuscitate the Torah. Those five students receive their smicha, on Lag Ba'omer. That's what Rabbi Yaakov Hillel says. He says, and that's why Lag Ba'omer is a holiday. Although he goes much deeper based on the Ari, that the whole idea of Lag Ba'omer is when the deen of the first part of the Omer is somewhat lifted. So instead of deen shebedin, there's, there's, there's chesed shebedin, there's chesed of deen. To, 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 to go based on what he's saying. So he's saying, basically he says the name Elohim, which is, just to go, I'm doing it very fast, it's very heavy. The name Elohim is Aleph, Lamed, He, Yud, Mem. He says, once we hit Alag Ba'omer, the name of Elohim changes from Aleph, Lamed, He, Yud, Mem to Aleph, Chaf, Dalid, Tet, Mem. It's the earlier letters on the three center letters, which is more chesed. And it's a shoot of chesed that comes into the world on Lagba Omer. Basically, to understand Lagba Omer is not a time of mourning. We always grew up, I mean, the, the, the whole period of the Omer is not a time of mourning. We're not mourning for 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. What it is, basically, what it is, is really is a time of probation. It's a time of probation. So, for example, we got out of Egypt on Pesach, but we didn't deserve to get out. We got out early. Now we have 49 days of probation until we get to Shavuot. And each day of probation, we're supposed to grow. So it's a time of deen. So we don't party, we don't do certain things because it's deen. There's a sword swinging up on top of us that if we do anything wrong, we're going to end up back in jail because we're on probation. So we'd be very careful. But by the time we get to Lagba Omer, we've met with our probation officer and he's very happy with us and he says, Keep it up for two more weeks and it's all good. And that's what happens from Lagba Omer, somewhat forward. So he says, we have this whole idea of Lagba Omer, but really Lagba Omer surrounds 
is surrounded the, the whole concept by Shimon Bar Yochai. Because one opinion is, it's the day Shimon Bar Yochai died. Died? Why would we celebrate? It's a very difficult concept, why you would celebrate, because the other Mevashim write, you would never celebrate. Moshe's death we don't celebrate, no one's death we celebrate. And in fact, in Shulchan Aruch, which is written in 1600s, he lists the day of death of all people, and there's no day for Rav Shemob So we have nothing on Lad Omer, we have nothing on that day in Shulchan Aruch, in Rav, Rav Yosef Kara, doesn't write anything, Ramad doesn't comment anything, so really, Lagba Omer, as we celebrate it, is a development of the last century, more or less. It's become something of the last century, but it surrounds Shimon Bar Yochai. And it, maybe, we don't, we don't have, nobody says it's his yard site. But I'm telling you about the source for it is a possible understanding of the writings of Rav Vital. Which Rav Yaakov Hillel says you could yes maybe okay but so if it is Yarzai okay so what's it all about if it's the day he gave over the Torah to his students if it's the day he the fire surrounded him which is somewhat what the reason of the fire if it's the day he got smicha everything about Lad Baomer is about Shimon Bar Yochai. We even read the Gemara Shabbat on page 33, which is Lag, all about the stories of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. So something about Rashbi and the Torah of Rashbi. There's something else to keep in mind. On Shavuot, we got the Torah. We say Naseh Shema. But we didn't, did we really need it? Because the mountain was sitting on top of our heads. Maybe we didn't need it. When do we really accept the Torah? Kimu Kiblu In Purim. Lagba Omer always comes out on the same day as Purim. So there's a, the same day of the week. So there's a connection between Purim and Lagba Omer because perhaps we accepted the Torah Shavuot. On Purim, we really accepted it. And Lagba Omer, we accepted the depths of the Torah, the Sodot of the Torah. And that's the key for us to be worthy of Shavuot from Lagba Omer to Shavuot is to try in some way to emulate Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Whatever that means. So we're going to try to understand it. We have a song, Bar Yochai. Bar Yochai. Right? All these verses in Bar Yochai. Some of them are crazy. What we read in Bar Yochai. One of them says, adam So it says, In the beginning of Bereshit, before God makes man, he turns to the angels, because you know, he wants to involve everyone, and he says, Na'aseh adam b'salmini. Let us make man in our image. Everyone says, what do you mean let us? Who is he talking to? Yeah, he feels bad. He doesn't want the angels to feel like they have nothing to do. So God turns to the angels and said, let us make man in our image. This song says, what is the image? What does that mean, the image? Shimon Bar Yochai. He's the ultimate man. And that's what we sing in the song. That he's the ultimate man. What is he in the ultimate man? What is he the ultimate man? That means the world, it says, Nase Adam Ne'emad Ba'avurecha, refers to Rashbi, means the world was created for the sake of who? Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. That's what we sing. And nobody stops us. And nobody says someone better. And that's what the rabbis wrote. And then all the rabbis, nobody argues and says, don't sing this song. The Gemara tells us when we're about to accept the Torah, we say, Nase Venishma. Nase, we will do 
the nishma and we will listen. Meaning, we're not asking you what's in it. We're going to do whatever, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do without asking questions. Says, says the Gemara, Hashem says, who taught this to my children? This is the words of the angels. Because about the angels, what does it say? It says, Ose Devaro. They do his, uh, his, his sayings, whatever Hashem says. Lishmoa Bekol Devaro. To listen to the words of Hashem. Meaning, they do, and then they listen. Whatever Hashem wants, we do, we don't ask why. So, so this is the power that we have in Naseh Venishma. The Gemara says, Aten Keruim Adam. We, Bnei Israel, are called Adam. The rest of the world is not called Adam. They're called something else. People. But we're called Adam. We are unique. We are Adam. The Arizal, Rav Luria explains, based on the Gemara and Sota on page 5. It says in the Gemara, what is Adam? It says, Rav Yochanan said, the Hebrew word for a person, Adam, is written Aleph, Dalit, Mem. Three letters. He says, what is it? It says it's an acronym. For Efer, Dust, Dam, Blood, and Mara, which is uh, bile, alluding to man's insignificance in the world. It says, we should always think of this as Adam. Adam is dust, blood, and bile. It says, what does this mean? It says, so I, I pulled here from the from the, the uh, who's this from? Afadam, this is from, I don't know. I, I didn't write down where I took it. I see maybe on the next page. It says the reason and cause, he says that, that a person should know there's two types of mara. There's mara shechora and mara laban. It says in different types of person have different kinds of bile. That's how they exist in the world and go very, very deep into this whole concept of, uh, of mara. And that's commenting on that Gemara in, uh, over there. That's commenting. Now, we, if we go to the Gemara in Shabbat, it says in the Gemara in Shabbat that at a certain point, Zechut Avot stopped. What does that mean, Zechut Avot? So sometimes we say that Hashem should do things for us, Bizchut Avot, in the, in the merit of our forefathers. So we say the simple explanation is that at some point in time, the Gemara says, it stopped. We had a, a cash card, and the cash card was filled with the merits of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And we used it so many times that we put it back in the machine and said, no more money, no more credit, you can't use it anymore. So Tosfot answers, well, maybe it could only be used by Sadiqim, or maybe it could only be used, he brings a different term, Brit Avot versus Zechut Avot. The Mesha Chochma explains, there's a difference between Zechut Avot and Brit Avot. And he says it very simply. I mean, I, I had a, the simplest way is what the Arizal brings. The Arizal brings, he says, he says that a person has to remember that if you're going to use Zechut Avot, you're going to say, God, the, the children of Israel, they worship the golden calf. But remember, their fathers were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's like me going to the judge, and I have a guy with me. I say to the judge, listen, judge, you got to feel bad for the guy. His father was a great, righteous man, and he's a bum. The judge is going to say, that's, not, that's no excuse. If his father was a righteous man, he has to be a righteous man. If, he's, if his father was a bum, and you tell me he's a bum, okay, maybe that's an excuse. But to go to Hashem and say, remember their fathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So Hashem is going to say, 
That's putting them into, that's the prosecution statement. The prosecution is going to say, their father was Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Look how great they were. Look how bad the kids are. How could that be? Says, says the Mesha Chochmai brings, if one invests in his friend's business and subsequently sees his friend's children carrying on the business in the same good way, he's going to be inclined to continue investing with, uh, in the business since he sees a positive effect. If, however, the investor sees that the children are for- failing in the business, he's not going to want to invest. He says, so if we want Hashem, if we want Zechut Avot, the only way Zechut Avot could work, based on Tosvot, is if we do good. But if we don't do good, how can Zechut Avot help? It actually is going to hurt. So the Arizal asks this question on Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, remember in the, in the time of the Egel, he says, remember what? Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Remember. He says, what do you mean remember? So the idea of, of, of Zechut Avod is, is something you have to understand. So he says that the Arizal says uniquely, he says, Moshe Rabbeinu is not asking Hashem to forgive the people based on the merits of the forefathers, which is how we interpret Zechut Avod. What he's saying to him is, if they deserve to be thrown into a fire for the crime that they did, remember Abraham Avinu. He went into the fire. And if they deserve to have their head cut off, remember Yitzchak Avinu went on the Akedah. And if you're going to send them into exile for what they did, remember Yaakov Avinu. He had to go to Egypt and do whatever he did. That's what he's saying. He's saying, remember the forefathers that they already paid the price for what you might want to do for the children. So what the Arizal is saying, because there's no time, He's saying that Hashem should forgive B'nai Israel because the forefathers already did the did they already did did what they, they did and they already punished, so to say, for the children. He goes further, he says, when we see this word Adam, Efer is for Abraham. Because why? Abraham says that I am just dust and ashes. He says the Dalit is for Yitzchak because Yitzchak was willing to give his blood for the dam on the Akedah. And Yaakov is the exile with the bile. He's uh, the mem. He says, our challenge, says the Arizal, is how do we resemble Adam? How do we resemble what Adam is? And who's the ultimate Adam? We're saying Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. So he says, how do you resemble Adam? How is it possible? Hashem says, Na'aseh Adam b'salmenu. We're going to make God in our image. That means we have to be... If we're going to be Adam, who do we really have to resemble? God. We know the story of Rashbi, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. What's the story? How does he end up in the cave? Everyone knows the story of the cave. So how does he end up in the cave? He says So, says, so the way the Gemara, the Gemara brings the story, the whole story is in the Gemara Shabbat on page 33. So it says that Rav Yehuda, Rav Yossi, and Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, these are three of the students of Rav Yakiva. They're having a conversation. And Rav Yehuda says, you know, the Romans are wonderful. They build bridges. They build marketplaces. They build bathhouses. Isn't it nice that they do that? Rav Yossi says, better keep my mouth shut. 
Rav Shimon Bar Yochai says the only reason they build marketplaces is so that they have a place to put the prostitutes. And the only reason they build bathhouses is so that they could do this. And the only reason they build bridges is so that they could collect the tolls. He says everything they do for themselves is nothing for the good of mankind. Says Caesar heard what happened. Caesar heard that Rabbi Yehuda spoke well. He says now you're going to be the chief rabbi because you spoke well. Rabbi Yossi, who didn't open his mouth, he sends him into exile. And Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, who spoke bad against them, edict of death. So what does he do? He runs away to hide in the Bet Midrash. No one's going to find him in the, in the study hall. His wife is going to bring him bread and water every day, him and his son. And then he says, you know what? They're going to take my wife and they're going to torture her. What's she going to do? She's going to tell them where we are. Now I can't figure why no one else would tell them where they are if they're sitting in the Bet Midrash. But they go run and they hide in a cave. And Hashem makes a miracle that what happens in the cave? A tree grows outside and a stream of water. So they have water and they go, what are they going to eat? They're going to eat uh, bucks or carrot. I can't even imagine. We try to eat it one day. We can't even eat it. You're going to live on this stuff? Now what happens? Because they only have the clothes they're wearing. They wear their clothes to pray. But so their clothes don't wear out. During the day when they study, they bury themselves in the sand and they sit in the sand. What happens? Eliyahu and Navi comes to the front of the cave and says, the king is dead. Uh, come on out of the cave. So they come out of the cave. And the Gemara says, what happens? As soon as they come out of the cave, they start to look at people working and they say, how can you work? How can you work if there's other things we could do? You should be learning Torah all the time. There's no reason to work. And they look at the people working and the people die. Hashem says to them, hey, 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 I didn't let you to come out of the cave in order to kill the people of the world. Go back in the cave. Now, I don't know what, if they, 12 years in the cave made them there. I don't know how one more year in the cave is going to make them better. But they go back in the cave, says Rabbi Eliezer would look at the people, his son, they would die and Rabbi Shimon would bring them back to life. All of a sudden, they see a man running and he has two bunches of uh, myrtle in his hand. He said, what do you have them for? He says, Shabbat. He says, Shabbat, you only need one. What do you have two? He goes, no, one for Zachor, one for Shamor. All of a sudden, they feel great and now they can live in the world without looking bad. It's very hard to understand the story. So I have my own spin. I'm going to tell you my spin on the story in the end. So it says now, the, uh, the Gemara and Berachor. Oh, so then what happens? Rav Shimon Bar Yochai comes out and he goes, he goes to the bathhouse with his father-in-law. His father-in-law is Rav Pinchas ben Yair. We have a zillion stories about him. And he sees because he was sitting in the sand all this time, what happened to him? His whole back is cut up from, uh, you know, it's all chafed. The, the skin is, he, he cries and the tear falls on his son-in-law's back. And the salt water from the tear burns him. And then Rav Pinchas ben Yair starts to cry for his son-in-law. He says, I can't believe this happened to you. And his son-in-law says to him, the Gemara says, his son-in-law says to him, he says, he says, don't feel bad for me because, because I look like this and I was in that cave studying, I've attained everything I've attained. What's going on? So the Gemara Berachot says, there's a machloket between Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, 35, you could have all the The Berachot, uh, page 35, there's a machloket between Rav Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Yishmael. It says, What does that mean? You should gather your produce. So Rabbi Ishmael says that a person has to go to work every day. You go to work and you learn and that's how it's biz. 
says Rav Shimon Bar Yochai says no. It says in Yeshayahu Lo Yamush Sefer HaTorah, right? Hazeh Mipicha Vidanecha, and you should. So this, this Torah shouldn't leave your mouth, and you should say it day and night. Meaning, he's saying, what do you have to do? Twenty-four hours a day, only learn, no work. Go to the kolel. Someone will pay the bill. Your father-in-law is going to pay the bill, right? Someone's going to pay the bill. Rav Shimon says. If one does what Hashem wants, then strangers are going to come and support him. And he quotes a pasuk that says that strangers are going to come watch your sheep. Meaning you can go study and Hashem will arrange your income from somewhere else. He's going to let you buy a building. The value of the building is going to go up and you're going to collect the rent and you can go study every day and you just clip coupons. It says no works. It's still let Hashem worry about the parnasah. The al-sheep brings a story. It's a crazy story. Uh, I'll tell you to another time about his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law believes him. And it's a true story. And all of a sudden, his brother-in-law ends up after uh, months of no work with this donkey coming home with, uh, with a treasure chest behind him. And they live on this treasure chest uh, for generations. The Rashbi says, learn, and others will support you. Says, says, the, says the, the angel tells Yeshua. He says, he says that a person has to learn, otherwise uh, nothing. We know that when we read about the, the, the paraduma, it says, Adam ki yamut be'ohel. A man who dies in the Ohel, the rabbis say, what does that mean, a man who dies? It means a man who's studying so hard, it's as if he's dying, he's killing himself learning. You hear the expression? He's killing himself learning. It says that's what a person has to do. A person has to look at himself as Adam. Efer dam mara. It says dust, blood, and bile. He says he has to struggle in the Torah. Ramban says that when a person goes to sleep at night, if he dreams, and it's a bad dream, what happened? He said, what happened is he went up to Shamayim and he got there and even though he's a good guy, he got into the room next to Hashem and Hashem said, what is that odor? And it was him. And Hashem threw him out. And he says, that's why he had a bad dream because Hashem threw him out. He says, what do you mean he had a bad odor? The Arizal says, a person could think that he's, uh, that he's completely righteous but if he's not toiling in the Torah, if he's not dedicating himself the right way, he says that there's a, there's a rayah from the person that's not good. What does that mean? So there's a story the rabbis always tell us. There was a story about a guy and he comes to court and he comes to court and he stinks. And the judge says, you stink, get out of the court. What is it? They say it's the socks. His socks, and he never changes his socks. He's wearing the same socks for, for 10 years. He says, get out, come back tomorrow, change your socks and you can come back tomorrow. Comes back the next day and he still stinks. And the judge says, I don't understand. I told you to change your socks. He goes, I did change my socks. Yeah, they're in my pocket. The old ones are right here. <laughs> so, so the person carries around the smell with them. That's what the Arizal is saying. He says, My soul will not be disgusted by you. How? That's what, I, that's what Hashem is saying in the beginning of this perashah. He's saying, I'm going to build my mikdash among you and I'm not going to be disgusted. We, and that was the opening question. What does it mean he's not going to be disgusted? means we're going to not have some odor. Basically, we're going to have a sweet, a sweet smell. He says, how is that possible? He says that a person has to be amelin ba Torah, toil in Torah. Also, I think it also has to do with it having to be clean when you pray. Like in terms of not having odor, it says that a Ah, that's for sure that a person has to be clean. But, but this, is talking, this, is a spir- this is a spiritual odor that comes from a person who's not being amel, who's not struggling in Torah. Says, says, uh, says the Arizal, he says that look at, look at the reality of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. They're living by a, a cave. They're eating carob and water. No vitamins, no nutrients, no protein, no... And they're still surviving. 
He says that a person who struggles in Torah, Hashem is going to take care of him. That's the whole thinking of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. He says, but it's not enough just to be a good guy. A person has to, has to, has to, uh, has to also toil in the Torah. But here's where the Arizal says something, and he continues the Arizal really basically saying that you could exist without working. But here's where it throw, threw me off, and I came up with a little different. He says, look at Noah. Noah is in the ark for 365 days. What is he doing during that time? He's taking care of feeding the animals. He comes out of the ark, he offers a sacrifice, and Hashem says, Reach michoach la Hashem. That's the first time we hear. What do you mean it's a sweet-smelling thing? That Noah offered the sacrifice. Why? Because he dedicated his life to doing what Hashem wanted by taking care of the animals in the ark. And that's what that brought me to a little, a little thing. Finishing the Arizal, and then I'm just going to finish that. Says the Arizal, Adam is fulfilled through Rashbi, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, because Rav Shimon Bar Yochai is the one who's studying Torah and shows us we have to study Torah. We finish the book of Vayikra, which is Torah Kohanim. That's, this is the last portion of the book of Vayikra about the priests and sacrifices, because that's all about Reach Nichoah. That's all about the sweet smell of the sacrifices. Says, but we have to understand that Nasev Nishma only works if we're completely inside it. He brings, who's the teacher of Rashima Bayachai? Rabbi Akiva. He tells the story about the fish in the water. The fish can't live outside the water. The water is the Torah. We have to live inside the Torah in order for us to survive. This period from Lagba Omer to Shavuot, the Rashbi sets an example of Nasev Adam Besaminu, that we're gonna, Hashem is going to make man in, in his image. It goes so far with the Rashbi that Rashbi says one time that the, the, the Zohar says, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai went out and he saw there was dark and clouds and all the lights were sealed. It says that there was an edict against man, Hashem is going to destroy everyone. It says, says to an angel, go tell Hashem that there's 30 Sadiqim don't destroy. Like the story of Abraham. 20 Sadiqim don't destroy. 10 Sadiqim don't destroy. Then he says something unbelievable. He says if there's only two Sadiqim, there's me and my son. Don't destroy the world. And if there's only one Sadiq that, that's in the world, I'm going to stand up to God, and just because I exist, you can't destroy the world. Seems that Rashbi is being very uh, egotistical here. He says, what does it mean? If we go back, and we see that when Rashbi comes out of the cave, Hashem says, go back into the cave because I don't want you to destroy the world. Rashbi is telling God, you don't want me to destroy the world? You can't destroy the world either. I'm doing exactly what you want. But there's something very interesting because he goes into the cave and when he comes out of the cave, he's not destroying people for working. What does that mean now? At the beginning, he's saying, if you're working, you're dead. After he comes out the second time, you can work. Even though he says, no, better to only learn. The whole idea of the Zohar, the whole idea of the Kabbalah is that every minute of your day could be infused with Kiddushah. The message of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, when he comes out of the cave the second time, and he sees the man running with the two, is that if I go to work, and my mind is only that I'm working, worthless. But if I'm going to work, and my intention when I'm working, is that I'm working in order to make a living, in order to help my family, in order to do tzedakah, in order to be able to learn, in order to do such and such, then I infuse in every moment of the physical, a spiritual essence. The whole idea of the last two weeks of the Omer is we're at the top of it, we're at the top of the, the Sefirot, where we've been infusing little by little. 
It says that for a person to understand that just like you're infusing into the day Kiddushah, you can infuse into every act that you do some aspect of Kiddushah that changes that act from a mundane act to a holy act. Everything has to do with the intention. So I believe that the bottom message, even though Rav Shema Rechai is saying, no, you don't have to work, Evan Hashem is going to pay. You know what? There's people that that works for. There's people that have total, total bitachon and trust in Hashem, that Hashem is going to make them win lot. There were certain rabbis in our community that lived in Egypt in the early 1900s, and we see in their diaries, they lived off the lottery. They had, and they never told anybody, but they wrote it, and we saw after that. They lived off the lottery, but they didn't live in a, like a pasha, in a, in a, they lived, they paid for bread and water. It says, but a person on our level, on a normal level, what is he going to do? He has to go to work because many tried like Rav Shimon, but they didn't, they didn't succeed. So what's the bottom message for everyone else? That every minute of every day, you have to try to infuse in that moment some level of Kiddushah. I'm driving from place to place, I have to infuse something. I'm standing waiting for a train, I take out something to read something. I have to think that if I could take every moment of every day, that's what Hashem is doing. And if I'm really that person who tries, and I'm not saying it's possible to do, who tries to infuse into each moment, then that makes me the person that the Rambam, Ramban is talking about. Go to sleep at night, and where do you end up when you go to sleep at night? You end up in the Bet Midrash in the heaven. And you end up in Bet Midrash in heaven, and there you're going to hear, and when you wake up, you're going to start saying words of Torah. Because what are you doing? You're attempting to infuse all your waking hours with Kiddushah, and that way Hashem is going to take even the sleeping hours and infuse them in Kiddushah. And if we do that, the rabbis tell us that really, when could Mashiach come? Really, we always say Puri, Pesach. Pesach is when Mashiach comes. But Pesach and Shavuot are completely connected. Pesach and Shavuot is Pesach and Shavuot is called Atzeret. It's called the extra. Just like we have, we, have, we have Sukkot and we have the end of Sukkot is Shemini Atzeret. The same is Pesach and Shavuot. These 49 days are almost like a Cholamot between Pesach and Shavuot. If we infuse these last two weeks specifically, which relate to Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, with his ability to try to raise up the level of the physical to the spiritual, and to try to toil in Torah and make an extra effort to do, then we could be part of the solution to bring Mashiach in. This class was originally recorded in 5779. We're going to add a part two because we're always learning new things and we've discovered some new thoughts that can be very helpful in understanding the period of uh, the Omer, the period also between Lag and uh, Shavuot, and especially with regard to Yom Yerushalayim and the, the minhag of cutting hair uh, at the tomb of, uh, of Rashbi, and uh, was Rashbi, was this his, his day of his death, and what, what's going on, and about the smicha of Rashbi. Anyway, so we're going to try to record another class, and hopefully we'll record that on uh, the morning before Lag Lag in the synagogue, and then we're going to post it so you can follow it down. Have a great week, everybody. Have a wonderful Lag La Omer, or Lag Ba Omer, whichever one you call it.